Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. Hey, guys. Uh, I don't know what happened to Alex. He... He turned into a robot, <laughs> just right here in front of me. Today we will be talking about <laughs> modern the format. Cool. Would you uh, like to cast cards? Uh, that's not bad. Your your uh, your tone went up there slightly. Let's get off this tangent and into the show. All right. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? I fought off robot Alex. Alex is wearing sunglasses inside while we're doing this podcast. I, I am. It's almost as if he's a member of Team Action or something like that. Uh, I once have actioned yeah. with you and your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically in regards to Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Wars. Yeah, those are favorite things of yours. I'm your go-to space opera adventure movie yeah. guest. Yeah, yeah. So this is the Don't Masters of Modern podcast, by the way. Me, which is messed up. Yeah, it was sad for you. Uh, this is the Masters of Modern Sad podcast. I was fine with it. <laughs> Let me introduce this the third time and see if Alex catches on this one. <laughs> We're here talking about magic cards. It's the Masters of Modern podcast from Collector.Company. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, here with my co-host, <laughs> Alex been, Kessler. I, I, I show up as a robot one time and things are going crazy. Yep. I feel like you've been watching too many YA revolutionary movies and are revolting against the establishment that is myself. Yeah, it's true. I'm Snow. Your that was a Primrose, Hunger Games reference. Primrose Everdeen. More spring. There yeah, you go. You're, you're not even the you're not even the main one. You're like the younger sister that spoiler alert bo- gets bombed and dies at the end. In the third movie, mm-hmm. the fourth mm-hmm. movie, fourth movie, third book. Yeah, those movies are actually pretty good. They're okay. I like the Hunger Games. The second one is great. The third one is terrible. And then the fourth and one I actually, is okay. And the fourth one is like whatever. By that point, you're just done. The second one's actually probably the best of that entire genre. Really? The first Hunger Games is not better? No, I would say the second one's better. Huh. The second one was written as if, oh, oh this I'm going to get movies made. Let's make this a movie. The first one, the first one it was like has a lot of like more just like teen drama. Teen drama. The second one's like, oh no, this is just all action all the time. Get ready. So stuff's going to explode. If okay, it's the first time to listening to the Masters of Modern <laughs> podcast, uh, we talk about a lot of things. The, the main one we talk about is magic and the modern format. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to actually introduce the subject and begin talking about things that are magic related before we do our shout outs because we've just wasted a significant amount of your time. Yeah. So today we're going to be doing the Great Designer Search 3 essay question section at a time. I took the Great Designer Section 2 earlier today. Answer yeah. all those questions. So for those of you that are wondering what that is, because not everybody pays that close of attention, sure. um, the Great Designer Search was was a system that Wizards put in place a few years ago. Uh, this is the third time they've run it, where basically... It's a little bit more of that. It, almost 14 years ago, yeah. Wizards did a... To like hire new designers, because they, they would get developers. So those who don't know, there's designers and developers. This has changed, but classically there's designers, come up with cards, developers, make sure the cards work in standard or draft. And... Designers are all Pro Tour players, or they all come from Pro Tour. That's yep. Andrew Brown uh, got the job through there. But designers are all much harder to find because there's not like it's a different skill set. It's not about how good you are at magic. It's about how creative you are with magic creating. And they right. need to come up with a way to uh, find people for those positions when they needed them. So they did the first one, which was the Great Designer Search one. This was a, like it's surprising how long ago this was. Uh, Ken Nagel was is who was hired off of that. And then yep. normally, not only do they get like the winner, the winner automatically gets an internship, but by the end of like the search, the top eight normally get some amount of positions at Wizards. Um, all of them kind of all 
it's creating a pool of people that they can look for when they need to hire someone for the position. Yeah, it's like how the it's how if you're like in the top four of American Idol, if you're the fourth, you still might get the biggest record deal out of it just because like you're on their radar and you might in the end create the best product. Right. So um, anyway, that's how it Play works. Aikens of the world. Yes. Uh, so they did it the first time, then the second time, and then they won awards for it the second time. Like it was a. Like uh, maybe it's to Hasbro, but they like yeah. want to like. This is one of the creative HR things that's ever been done at the second largest toy company of all time. So that was a big deal, and they brought the third one back. Now the numbers are like what, like three times as large this time as they were the seven thousand plus people submitted. Oh, and it's, for, it was fourteen hundred the first time, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's like and oh. and, and of those, and, and I believe seven thousand people submitted to be in it, and then they day or week of allowing essay questions to be submitted, they were just like, eh, if anyone clicks on this link and submits, you're in. Yeah. So, so just everyone. A ton of people submitted. People. And so, yeah, there's like an essay question section. So Alex and I are going to go through and we're going to discuss uh, from our point of view. And I think probably through somewhat the modern lens, because I think that's where a lot of our thought process comes from, how we feel about these questions yeah, and, and, uh, and and answer them. And there, so so the test will have three sections. We're only going to do the first one because the second one's a 75 question or 76 yeah. question multiple choice thing. I'm assuming no one wants to listen to us read off multiple choice questions no. and answer them. This is like basically uh, this is just like a discussion of mechanics and set design for the most part. Well, a little bit point. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we're going to get straight into that. We're going to talk all about uh, favorite sets and favorite mechanics and least favorite things. Um, and before we do, I want to remind everybody here that uh, we are on Twitter. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. You can find Alex at Kess Wiley, and you can find the podcast at The MM Cast. We have a Facebook group with like 3,400 people in it now. Um, it's awesome. Go find it. There's like tons and tons and tons of good magic conversation lists getting posted all the time. We have a Patreon. Please. We do. <laughs> please help us out on that Patreon. Uh, if yeah. you sign up for Patreon, you help us do this show, and we have a hard time doing it sometimes without funds. So please go sign up on Patreon and donate a buck or two. Yeah. Um, Super Party Battle, Kesco's first game is yeah, available. It's out. Uh, you can go buy it. And you can go buy it. It's really fun. It's like magic, uh, but it's like party games. It's a little bit easier, so it's more fun in a social setting. Uh, everyone plays from the same deck, and you're trying to recruit students to go to your party. And throw the best party on campus. And finally, there's an app called Anchor. It's called Anchor.fm. I do a show every single day called 10 Minutes of Modern on that app. It's basically like 10 minutes of this show done by me with guests, Alex, other pros, things like that, uh, about modern every day. So things like talking about specific deck ideas, brews, new mechanics, news that's breaking. If you want daily modern content, go download Anchor.fm and find 10 Minutes of Modern. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Great Designer Search. All right. Uh, one last thing on the Great Designer Search. There's a third round uh, that will be uh, card submissions, and then they cut the top eight, and then each person like builds their own set. But first question. Yeah. Introduce yourself and why you would make a good fit for this internship, Ben Bateman. Well, why would I make a good fit for this internship? Okay, first, first and foremost, I considered submitting on this. <laughs> I believe you actually submitted on this. Yeah. <laughs> You own and run a company, by the way, in Los Angeles. There's no chance that if you won this, you would have any ability to leave and go work for Wizards. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to see what the questions were and see how I'd do. You'd be like, Ben, run the company. I'm going to go work for <laughs> Wizards. <laughs> uh, likely at the third round, which I hopefully make it to, Yeah, uh, I'll submit and then also write a note being like, let me know if I did well, but I can't. Yeah. Don't 
take me to the top eight. <laughs> I had a similar feeling of like, I would love to do this. This sounds like so much fun, but I'm not going to move to Renton and go home, basically. That's where I'm from. I'm from Seattle. Right. And leave everything in LA that I've worked so hard the last 10 years True. to build. My fiance already was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, it's, <laughs> but it's exciting to talk about. So. Yeah, yeah. And it's really fun. And like, it's kind of also like a little bit wish fulfillment because, you know, four years ago, before Kesco was created, I would have been like over to this over like would have been looking to do this yeah. hardcore. And now, a little farther around the line, took a little longer than I would have wanted them to do this. That's not really an option, but we're looking at different things that we can do. Totally. Uh, but so so introduce yourself. If pretend get, get in the head of a person who doesn't have an entire life in Los Angeles and you're ready to move, move to Seattle back home. You don't even have to pay rent if you go up there. Yeah. And because I can live with my mom. You can maybe? live with your mom. That's what you're and, yeah. yeah, which is the best. She's free cooked meals every day. Maybe Great. some laundry done. Yeah. She'd be thrilled. Uh, uh, and uh, why would you make a good magic designer? Or what I, would you bring to the table? What 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 kind of focus would? Because you like designing cards. I do. Yeah, I talk about it a lot. Um, I think. Like what would? How would you make better blossom better? <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that I would do um, is I have played magic since 1995, on and off. I've gone through tons and tons and tons of iterations as a fan, as a player, as a content creator. I have as much experience, probably discuss long form discussing magic as. Most people in the world do. I mean, you and I have spent literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours talking about magic cards, mm -hmm. um, not to mention the you know thousands and thousands of hours playing magic. Um, and I believe one of the things that, that would really be unique about my mind when it comes to magic is that I don't play video games. I don't, um, I'm not influenced by... I think there's a purity. Do you not even play phone games? You have to play phone games. I, like I play app games, but I mean, like okay. I, the the development of like much larger worlds that I think Magic has for a long time avoided sort of like basing any of its gameplay on. Like it's not, it's really a very pure game. It's sure. like one of the only games that's managed to stay around as long as it has, as popular as it's been. And even the online component is is very numerical. Like it's incredibly, uh, the development's like very linear. It's sure. like just it's just Magic with the clicks and beeps and boops, you know, like even this new arena that they're working on will be like the most animated sort of video gamey version of magic we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, and I think because I've, I've so you're, so you're anti beep poop. Well, I think just like, uh, unlike most gamers, I don't have a connection to that world okay. um, that I think influences my design. So I think it makes me unique in my perception of magic. I sure. think like I have a, a sense of the different eras of magic, what worked, what didn't work it's based entirely on this one game. Um, cool. Uh, I guess I guess my main my main answer to this question is you know I have a lot of background in production manufacturing and that kind of side of things so I have an understanding of what what is possible within the framework of cards and and, and uh, factory working what you can actually accomplish with with physical goods I also have an understanding of game design we've developed games I understand kind of the process of what goes along there I know what the challenges are and what's difficult and what's easy and what you kind of want to be able to do and I I, I think having a already pretty established relationship with that uh, would allow me to be able to create cards in new interesting ways. I think it's a fair answer. Yeah. I don't uh, I don't argue that I think you'd be better at designing a game than I would. <laughs> Seeing as you've done it an argument. a lot of times. I don't think we're competing here. Yeah. I think we're both applying for a job. Maybe yeah, you're not competing. One of us have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an evergreen mechanic is a keyword mechanic that shows up in almost every set. If you had to make an existing keyword mechanic evergreen, which one would you choose and why? How about you go first on this one? 
Um, so I thought really hard about this, and I was like really close to Wither. But the problem with Wither is because I think like as a mechanic, it's totally fine in every set. Uh, but the problem with Wither in general is uh, plus one plus one counters and minus one minus one counters don't fit together in a way that I wish they did. And so you can't really have that in most sets since most sets are plus one plus one counter sets. Uh, so I actually I, I'm going to say cycling. I think cycling as a mechanic does a lot of what Scry does, but in a different way. It makes a lot of cards more playable and it makes draft formats a little bit more well-rounded. I think my favorite draft formats of all time are the things where every card in a pack is something I might be interested in playing. And yeah. draft formats with cycling generally allow you to do that because you can take stuff like Fog or something and give it cycling, making it playable. Uh, and it, it allows a lot of just different creative things you can do with it. It's like a very open-ended mechanic that kind of fits everywhere. And it allows also in sets that like, oh, we're in a tribal set and we really want to be able to make sure you get enough vampires in your hand so that your vampires work together. And that you didn't draw enough. Well, cycling allows you to be able to draw to those cards with some of your dead cards you'd have to pick up otherwise. So it kind of is good in sets that need to be more linear. It's good in sets that don't need to be linear. And it kind of just works in every kind of archetype and deck archetype. Yeah, I love cycling. Um, I think that's a, it's wishful thinking. I think you and I would both love that. Um, it's I think anybody who is a anybody who's played a format like modern like if you are like if it makes sense that you would answer the question that way because if you've played a format like modern like you are very much about efficiency and like low to the ground and, and the low cost on things and it's it's annoying to not be able to, to have action you want you want to like play on the margins and that's kind of what cycling effectively lets you do is play on the margins uh, but like I, I think that cycling Yes, but like in modern cycling, doesn't see a lot of play. I mean, like no. if, if you look at modern, like how many cycling cards have actually top eight? Definitely, and, and it's, so like it's much more like in limited, it's really good. In constructed, it's fine. Like it's a mechanic that has a pretty well-rounded usefulness, and like it's been reprinted more than any other mechanic, so it's already kind of close to that status. I think what I mean is that uh, any competitive Magic player who's played in a power format like Modern mm -hmm. Legacy wants their cards to be good early and late and they really are not comfortable playing cards that are just, like, on the whole expensive that they can't do much with. Well, but then don't you think a new player who, like, wants to play with big, crazy cards isn't benefited by sometimes having the ability to cycle them? Well, certainly. No, no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with your answer. I'm saying it makes sense that, like, a, a, a veteran Magic player would feel that way. I think we would all love it if every card had cycling. That would be awesome. <laughs> it would mean that your opening hand was always action, because even if it wasn't that good, you could cycle through to get to your action. So, so isn't that good for magic? <laughs> yeah, I didn't say your answer was wrong. Yeah. I was, I was, <laughs> I was relating to it, and okay. saying that I can understand why you would say it. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying like I'm saying basically a veteran player like it makes sense. Sure. It makes sense as a so vet what, that what's you. What's your card? What's uh, your mechanic? You know, I think I say devotion. Okay. Um, and the reason I think I say devotion is because when they when they based a whole set around devotion, it, it ran into some problems, right? We had mono black devotion, and mm -hmm. like in standard, that wasn't the most fun thing. It was awful in some ways. But devotion as a as a marginal mechanic that would just show up here and there, I actually think is pretty fun. I think it mm -hmm. would create pretty interesting game states, and I think it would make uh, limited especially fun. Like I think if if there's only a few, if there's just a few devotion cards in a set, it would play a little bit like Chroma did originally in Shadowmoor Eventide, but much much more on board. So consider a mistake, but you no, know yeah, because uh, Chroma I, wasn't good. Right. But like the way there was only nine Chroma cards, mm -hmm. if there was nine devotion cards here and there in sets, like. I would be okay with that. That doesn't feel so... It doesn't feel so flavorful. Sure. I think, like, what, what's interesting about it to me, and I like, I like that as an answer, is the... So much of Magic leads you to want to play as many colors as possible. Like, right. almost the whole game is built to be like, how many more colors can I play and get away with it? And Devotion without 
making it so you can't choose to be in gold colors does encourage people to maybe become less more one color um so i do like that as like giving people more options or different reasons to have different choices than they classically would i also like that if you put devotion on lower cmc cards on the whole that you end up with these these fun cards that have a like a pretty marginal impact early but then end up being good late because sure. you drop a two drop that has devotion and all of a sudden it's, you're getting six triggers off of it or whatever and um, or, or devotion six off of it. Mm-hmm. It just it just I also when I think about devotion and I put it in like Theros block, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel that much like it was a Theros block mechanic. Like it it obviously the cards are from that block, but like I don't think about that and go, oh yeah, thematically Theros should have been devotion. Like sure. like devotion was in that set. And I get like the idea that like enchantments sit in play and they yeah. like hard to get rid of, so they kind of lead towards devotion being something that's gonna be better in that set than normal. But yeah. like if Theros was meant to be the enchantment set, which it kind of was the it doesn't fit. It does fit in the this is the Greek god set because it's meant to be a a worshipy aspect. Right, right. The most gods, the most green worshiping your green god. Correct. So, so that part of it I do get. Yeah. But to me, like that's like still kind of fringe. It's like, all right, it interacts with this one cycle of cards you guys put into the set, and then there's gods again shortly there later. So, like, I I do think that uh, sure. devotion would actually work as a mechanic to be evergreen. I think that would yeah. be like a totally fine one. Uh, my 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 second answer, which we'll, we'll go over this quickly because we won't do all these like twice, but uh, landfall was the other one that I thought. Oh yeah, was yeah uh, landfall solid. They already like kind of put it in sets randomly. It just is always going to work. It's like really simple and easy to understand. Yeah, it works in every set for sure. Yep. Um, you're always playing lands. That's yeah. How, unless you're playing dredge. <laughs> Strong point. Uh, all right. Next question: If you had to remove an evergreen status from keyword mechanic that is currently evergreen, which one would you remove and why? Hmm. I think I'd have to say hexproof. Okay. Um, and I think the reason I would say hexproof is that I don't find so I like the idea of hexproof being something that like fits into a specific set. Um, and it's, we've never really had a hexproof set, by the way. We've had like hexproof cards. Kinda was that. And a we'll little get bit. To that a little bit later. Because that's why, I mean, that's when they keyworded it was in Innistrad. That's when Invisible Stalker was printed. Um, Geist of St. Traft. Yeah, so Hexproof is kind of a problematic mechanic. Um, it's yeah, it, it makes it, it's like discouraging interaction and giving the, a huge benefit to the player who has it. Yeah, originally Hexproof was Shroud, and then they started to print a few cards that weren't Shroud, and they were Hexproof. Because for those that are confused, Shroud, you can't, you can, you can't target your own creature. Yeah, so. the, the problem with Shroud was, is, was actually just a rules understanding thing. Most players, the first five times they play with Shroud, didn't get that you couldn't target it yourself. Yes. And so they would just have a lot of feel-bad moments. So they like totally. realized that since everyone was playing it as Hexproof, you might as well just make it Hexproof. Yeah, and, and they've done a pretty decent job on Hexproof, not like really pushing it. We haven't seen that many Hexproof creatures. I've done the search a lot of times. There's not very many. Mm-hmm. They've they've definitely put the put Hexproof on some like janky commons now over the last few years in limited sets, and that's okay. Like it's okay to get like a, a four four for six in, in limited that's a, that is Hexproof. Like mm-hmm. it's not that crazy. Still so can be blocked and killed, but I don't know that it needs to be just like the random Hexproof. I don't know how much we benefit from that. Like it's fine, but well, I I would so much prefer to have Hexproof show up as a cycle of creatures in a particular expansion that feels like it's a very Hexproofy expansion. Like, if it had shown up in um, Rivals as pirates or something like that, like these untargetable pirates or like... Or merfolk that are under the water. Or, yeah, it, yeah, it feels like if, if it's on flavor... A with a lot of armor. If it's on flavor, then I feel like I'm okay with it showing up as part of a cycle because then it's exciting. It should sure. be more exciting than it is. Uh, I think that a Hexproof could... Be- 
to me very easily become unblockable because you know unblockable used to be a word and then they just were like oh no it just can't be blocked yeah. this turn or whatever um, I think Hexproof is going to have that effect they were doing it for years I mean Hexproof forever was just you cannot be a, the target yeah. of abilities or spells your opponent's control Sohana Ledgewalker and, still says it correct so like having that just as the text on it seems fine for how little they use it and as a keyword and mechanic that people just need to know to start with, it's like a relatively feel bad. And yeah. Like they have indestructibility, so if you really need a creature to be protected and you want it, and there's too much text to make it indestructible, um, yeah, I I I, I agree. Um, it's just hexproof is one of those ones where the the requisite power level is so high of the mechanic, but it's like with the places they choose to use it, it's so strange. Like I can only think of, you know, I was just designing that modern sideboard for Santa Clara, and it's like I threw Thrun in the sideboard. Thrun's great. He's really hard to answer sure. threat, but there's not very many Thruns. He's like part of a, he's like one of the only ones, if there was like five options that I was like, oh, I can really think about playing. Sure. Mostly it's like really crappy three drops in green. And like, uh, uh, there are other ways for wizards to create, and they can just write it out if they need to, but make it so cards can't be, you know, hurt control and make it harder for them or also make it so like big green creatures could survive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, um, it seems unnecessary. But I, I think that, um, yeah, that was that was actually my my main answer. I like, and I'll give my secondary answer because that one's the more interesting one. I was like, my boring answer is hexproof because it makes people <laughs> feel bad. And then my interesting answer, uh, but before I get that, uh, a lot of people actually picked defender. That was that was oh, what a lot of people yeah. I saw online. They're just like, this just doesn't need to exist. Can't block is like an easy piece of text you can put on things. Um, my pick was my my interesting pick is trample. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. So trample. Trample's a great mechanic. It's like it's not that big of an issue. It's really complicated and it works really weird and it with a bunch of different parts of the rules. Like for instance, a trample death touch creature, like you only have to do one damage to that creature now and it carries over. How do you order blockers? There's like a what happens if the blocker is removed while you're attacking with the trampler? There's a lot of like different ways that trample works that's like really complicated. And the design space now with menace in the set. Is, like I think Menace could just do what Trample does. Like anytime a creature has Trample, I think you could just give it Menace, and just That's like fair. in nine times out of ten, it's just probably just as good. It makes tokens a little bit better because they can block two things at once. But like, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't have that much of a problem. I think it's just from a, a new player perspective, the intricacies of what Trample does is makes it really difficult for a player to learn, and it doesn't offer that much to a set other than like making chump blocking worse and i think chump blocking is already really bad so why make it worse than yeah. it already is i mean it's one of the original keywords it's really 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 old mm -hmm. and and like there you can look back to the way those original mechanics were designed it's kind of remarkable that some of them have managed to stick around with almost like no complication sure. like the fact that flying has managed to just be as simple as it is and they've never really had any issues with it I, I think multiple people have said that flying is the best mechanic ever created yeah it's like just like it so perfectly fits what it's saying and it works and yeah but then like a lot of those other original ones i mean people people forget about like banding was like an original Correct. mechanic that was created Rampage, trample the pr like protection is really really weird yep like, there's a lot of those original mechanics that did not work. Well, and, and, like, the one thing with Trample that I understand keeping it around as a keyword, the one argument that, like, I, I, I will concede is that it's impossible to print Trample as a mechanic without 
keywording it. Yeah. Like the like the to actually explain the rules of trample on a creature for a thing that's like relatively grokkable if uh, with the word on it is like this creature if blocked does the remaining damage to the player that's blocking it and it also will carry over yeah. to the next creature and it does you know like there's just so Super much baggage in there yeah. that you could totally. never write it out with just the word trample. Totally agree. Um so like in that sense fine but like I also don't know it's if I had to delete one I'm not saying I even would it would be Trample or Hexproof, probably. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, all right. Next question. Uh, if you had to remove a keyword status, that's the one we just did. It, you're going to teach magic to a stranger. What's a strategy to have the best possible outcome? Done this a few times. Um, I've I, failed at this a few times. This is I've, my great magic weakness. It's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Uh, the problem with it is there, like, you try to slow down. to. You have to slow down so far from where your mind wants to go. You have to speak slowly. You have to pick your words. If you throw too many like pieces of information out there, I feel like it just confuses the crap out of people. Mm -hmm. So, but the problem is, if you slow down too much, you sound it's 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 hard to not sound condescending and like you're talking to them like they're an idiot sure. because like. But it's so. This is what worked for me when I taught the only person I've ever taught that had no frame of reference, and I taught and it worked. What I did is I tried to think about what are the simplest cards that I've had the most fun with over the years. Like, the simplest commons that have no format, nothing. Like, what are the simplest commons that I enjoy the absolute most? So I'm talking cards like Giant Growth. Sure. Uh, talk cards like Lenor Elf. Like, mm -hmm. cards that have been around for a long time that have always been just, like, solid. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if the power level's high. You know, Lightning Bolt, you can do that too. And I made a deck of 60-card decks, two colors each, basics and four ofs. Um, and I think I did like, a, I'm pretty sure I did like a green white deck and like maybe like a red, maybe like a red green deck. I might've just done three colors, but, um, I literally like, and I, in fact, now that I think about it, I think I made them 40 card decks. I don't even think I made them 60s. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm pretty sure I just like went back and forth, played open face, like hands, hands on the sure. table and just like narrated the narrated the gameplay for them. Like that's, that's what I did. And it worked pretty well. Um, I think the most important thing is to pick cards that feel relatively iconic, mm -hmm. that have had a big impact for a long time. Um, like Sarah Angel, yeah. Giant Spider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And things that have a... And also, like, I think one of the things that's important is, like, it's okay to play with some kind of high power level cards. Like, Lightning Bolt's a great example of a card that's really satisfying to play. Sure. Lightning Bolt's a lot of fun to play. Even if you are a new player, you don't realize how much better it is right. than everything else when you're first playing it, but it's, like, a lot of fun. So that's... The, I think you simplify it, make the power level high, keep it all commons, and 40 card decks with four of. So they yep. get they get uh, used to recognizing a card they're drawing mm -hmm. and going, like, oh, this is great. I love drawing this one. And then I'm pretty sure after we had done like three games, I added one rare to each deck just so he could have something cool sure. to draw. Yeah, I think if I were to pick colors, I guess it'd be red, black versus green, white. I think those are like the most diametrically opposed, but they all do things that make sense and they're cool in different ways. Um, my, my main thing is try not to explain everything to them. Try not to play for them. That's okay. like that's like the the thing that I've fall the the trap I notice most people do, and then I do myself is that I'll like be like, oh no no now you do this. But now, now make sure you attack with. Make sure you didn't attack. Like let them. Yeah. Just play, and it, it it it's hard because you know, a lot of times you feel like you should let them win, and it's hard to let someone win that you're not playing for, and so that's like a weird diametrically opposed problem that you have. Yeah. And you just kind of have to figure out how to do that and and make him feel like they're having a good time. Let them play. You can even win. Like that's not a problem. Let them feel like there's a challenge that they can try and beat you. Um. And just give them, 
kind of the ability to make mistakes and to learn. And that's that's a lot of the ways that people kind of say is the best way to teach. Yeah, I mean, Wizards has done a pretty good job with those starter decks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those I think those are pretty well-designed products. Um, the thing that I think they do the best job with is that there's one foil. I think that's a really cool, sure. really cool thing. Um, and I don't think when I was teaching, the guy that I was teaching, I don't think I had like access to the correct foil sure. to do it. But I think that's great because you definitely do want a sense of a sense of wonder yeah. um, to be playing all these commons and then draw this one super sweet, shiny-looking card. Right. And it feels different, and it looks different, and you know it's good. Just give them Duels of the Planeswalker, the app. And just <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, all right, so uh, what is Magic's greatest strength and why? Customizability, through and through. I've answered this question before, and it's one of it's, – it's an answer that I've heard other people answer. I think, in fact, you may have answered this question – when I first started doing Anchor, I think I asked you, and it's the same answer you gave. I think customizability is the is the greatest thing Magic has going for it. Um, there's a puzzle solving there's a puzzle solving aspect to Magic that is unrivaled by any any mm-hmm. game that's ever been created in the history of existence um, because it's because it was created as a physical product as opposed to a video game. You actually have the ability to hold what feels like a stack of pu- puzzle pieces, mm-hmm. like you are creating. I think that's the thing that keeps me coming back to Magic so often is that ability to customize my play experience. Like, it's why I like multiple formats. It's why Modern is so appealing to me. It's why Brewing is so appealing to mm-hmm. me. Um, the way that they they do design mechanics to be backwards compatible. When they don't, when mechanics are not backwards compatible, when the customizability of being able to combine two different cards is not there for me, it's when I find myself the most frustrated. I hate when I feel. That's why I never. That's why I never liked Block Constructed as a format. Is because it was like. This is too clearly designed to all work together. I don't want to know that the only three cards I can play that do this thing, this is the only three that exist. And if I play these three together, the exact limit of my power is these three cards. I like there being a, like, that's why I love Proliferate. Like, it references generic counters. I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they've done such a great job year after year after year creating 20 years, 20 plus years of design that you can combine and do whatever you want with and customize your play experience. And that's that's what makes Magic, to me, the best game ever. Okay. Uh, mine is uh, similar, slightly different. Creation. It's the fact that you can be creative and invent things within the framework of the game. There's so many pieces that you can actually come up with an original idea, put it together, and see if it works. And then there's actually a way to kind of play test and actually, like, put your creation through the gauntlet like when you paint something there's not really an easy way to do something like that when you create something else it's hard to do that without going through much more difficult steps in magic you can invent your own thing and then see how well it does be it a format be it a game being in a deck and you know it's kind of like i used to love when i was a kid the like tony hawk pro skater build your own skate park level right 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 like rpg maker on playstation one or like you know make your own games sections of video games because it let me kind of create something within the framework of what was going on and then actually try it out and magic is that that is the point of magic that's the base level of what this game is about and that's definitely i think what its greatest strengths i agree what is one of magic's greatest weaknesses uh you want to go first on this one no no um (laughs) what are magic's greatest weaknesses well I think that the greatest weakness in Magic's history is that they were so slow to design the game, um, to design the digital component of the game. And I think that in a market that they absolutely could have had a foot in the game and had like been on the level playing field with a lot of what's going on now with esports, they I think they missed the mark on that a little bit. And we have we have Arena launching now, which is really exciting. 
but uh, we've talked about this to death and people have yeah. said it, but it's like you look at Hearthstone and to, that is that is the it's the literal example of what happened. Sure. They like didn't they didn't look at it and keep their eye on the future and that happened. Mm-hmm. And Hearthstone's on fifty million phones. We talk about Magic's numbers and it's the most successful trading card game of all time, and it is. Magic, if it was on fifty million phones, would be uh, it'd be a household name in a way that it isn't now. It's right. almost. It's very close. Right. It's very close to being a household name. Most people know what it is, but um, I think that that's probably the biggest weakness is that there was an opportunity to stay in the forefront for a long, long time that I think they missed, and it means that we're. I think there was there was a great metaphor that Chaz Andres made when he wrote that article about Hearthstone versus Magic, talking about Magic as a classic car. It's a beautiful classic car. It's not trying to be an energy efficient yep. hybrid. It's trying to be a classic Bentley. It's trying to be like a beautiful old, mm-hmm. you know, like roadster. And like it wants that. It wants to be shiny and beautiful um, and a little bit outdated. And it's one of the things that makes it charming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had a similar, for my answer on the test, I had a similar answer that like Magic's inability to be watchable. Yeah. Uh, or, or, you know, that 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 kind of has been its greatest weakness. And I think Arena is going to do a lot of work to kind of help fix that. But from a – it's like golf. You know, I've always kind of compared it to golf where, like, yeah. if you don't play golf, watching golf is awful. Yeah. <laughs> and Magic has that problem where, like, from someone who's not already inundated in the game, making a watchable experience is difficult for you to enjoy. And then on top of that – you know, even if you do understand what's going on, it can sometimes e- be difficult to enjoy watching the Pro Tour and, and making it more watchable or making it easier to stream is something that is one of its greatest challenges. Um, I think the only other answer I have is uh, getting new players or players that aren't in the demographic that want to play Magic to get into Magic is something that I've noticed is a weakness. Of, like, there, there are just, there are other activities that are easy for new players to kind of enjoy. And some of that is demographic appeal. Some of this is its watchability. You know, people are yep. like, oh, that looks fun to do. It's like, oh, what are you doing? There's there's a lot of cards. It's complicated. And making it maybe – and I don't think it's possible to fix this. I think you have the choice of being the greatest game ever made or making it easier for anyone to jump into, and you have to kind of choose, and that's a weakness that you just kind of have to live with. Well, I think one of the th- inter- most interesting parts of what you're saying, though, is that we have this this blind faith right now in Arena. We have this total blind faith that Arena is going to be good because we've seen examples of sure. it being – of other games similar being good. And – uh, I think it's because we all believe and have believed for so long how easy it would have been for Magic to do it, and that's I think that's why I think it's a weakness. Yeah. It's not just that it didn't. It's not that it's it might have been able to. It's that it's very clearly would have been able to. Well, it just didn't. They just didn't get on top of it. Right. Duels of the Planeswalkers was something that a bunch of people were ever to play, and people had made kind of like they modified it. I know the mods, right? The you mods can... that you could play any card in it, and like it was fine. And Wizards specifically chose to not do that with those yeah. sets. And I think there had been some issues with those being able to do that. But A, they're now designing cards specifically to make it easier for Magic Arena to function. Like the set moving forward from Ixalan, every set will be designed with Arena in mind. And B... In general, that was just something that, you know, you always wished they would. Why isn't this open like Magic? Why isn't this Moto? And right. and they just never kind of made that choice. Partly, I think, because they meant that to be an intro-level thing, and they never wanted it to be more than that. Um, of all the Magic expansions, this is the next question. Of yep. all the Magic expansions that you've played with, pick your favorite, and then explain the biggest problem with it. Oh, man, this is easy. Uh, single expansion, Future Sight. Um, the, I want to just say the whole block. And I feel like that's probably the more fair, the more fair answer because all three of the sets in that block have problems. Future mm-hmm. Sight in, was intentionally designed to be as confusing as possible. Right. 
But, I mean, it is my favorite set of all time. It's my favorite single expansion ever made. Um, Future Sight is more like endemic of the problem with Time Spiral Block and Time Spiral the set. I think probably Time Spiral is the more appropriate answer because Time Spiral was trying to be an actual set, whereas Future Sight was trying to be... As even, off the wall as possible. Yeah, that was the point. Um, the issue with Time Spiral Block is that it tries to employ too much of Magic's history and too many of the mechanics that were loved in the past all in one set. So whereas normally you're having to learn between three and five keywords in a set, some of which are usually throwbacks, that was like nine. And I think in Future Sight as many as 30. <laughs> I think Future Sight right. was like literally, if you were a beginner player, they were like, this is a set that if you open a pack of, you will not come back to the game. Like you're going to you open... don't know what any of these do. You're going to open a pack and this one's going to say... This one's gonna say protection from creatures with power with casting costs three or greater, and this one's gonna say you know death touch, and this one's gonna say gravestorm, <laughs> gravestorm, and this one's gonna be an enchantment that morphs into a land that morphs into it. You know, it, there was just it was such a weird set. Some of the, you love it, but it's also like it's if anything, it should have been more of a supplemental product. Right. Than, well, I mean, because like especially you go back and you look and you're like. There are cards from Future Sight that if you were to ask me to explain to you what they do still, and I've played against, like, cards I've played with dozens of times. If you were to be like, explain what Bridge from Below does, I'd be like, um, I'd, like, need to look at the card for a second. And, like, I know what that card does. It's right. like, the compli- that is such a complicated set, um, even at the common level. And that's, that's the biggest problem with that set, and also even Time Spiral, which I think still had nine or ten mechanics. Sure. Um, I think my answer is, Innistrad is my favorite set. Uh, you could literally feel it felt like you could do anything. I think the biggest, and we can go on, the flavor is really strong. Some of my favorite cards are all time are from that set. Standard, while that was in play, was great. Like everything about it, like just was doing great. Uh, the biggest flaw with it is it, it came out right after Hexproof was made. And we talked about the problem with Hexproof before. And just like Invisible Stalker with equipment was super problematic in the draft format. It, you know, having just like. Geist of St. Draft, which was fine. There was some really good things about Geist. I obviously love Geist as a card. But just, you know, there was just this a feeling around it of just, like, this weird... Hexproof was just too strong, and I wouldn't have had... And be, it was too strong probably because it was a new keyword, so they wanted it to be exciting, they wanted it to be cool. I think you wanted to avoid that. I think just, you know, they learned their lesson, and, like, you know, don't give evasion to cheap Hexproof creatures. Right. Um, but I think that this was the set that was most damaged by it and it's like kind of this perfect record other than this one thing and so that would be the one thing I would have wished was different I also also love uh, love Instrad so yeah. I can relate to you there uh, of all of magic this is the next question of all of magic expansions that you've played with pick your least favorite and explain the best part about it <laughs> uh, well again this is another one where I, I have to just use a block versus a set uh, it's Kamigawa block okay. it's, it's, it's almost a, there's. I mean I have I have answers that could be relevant for each there's definitely there's an argument to be made for masks block and some of the sets in their prophecy is an especially horrible set um there's parts of theros i really dislike but i would say that the answer it has to be kamigawa um now kamigawa at the time like when it was out was okay it was the way it all plays together is fine but it's very parasitic and we've talked about this before while some of the mechanics like soul shift are great like i think soul shift is fun the fact that it references spirits their spirits and other sets Splice onto Arcane is really, really bad. <laughs> it's poorly designed. Sure. Um, the, the flavor is so specific and so different than anything else that ever has been done that there's only a couple tribes that get to successfully interact with the rest of Magic's history. Mm-hmm. You do get, like, shamans, I think. And snakes. You have, yeah, but spirits. even s- spirits, for sure. Snakes are, like, 
There's not that many snakes. There's not a lot of snakes in Magic's history. But we've talked before, like, snakes are one of the cards that literally at any point we could come up with a set and then all... Because, like, spirits weren't that favored. There were spirit cards, but until Innistrad. Yeah. Like, we go to Jungle Plain and snake tribe shamans are, like, a big thing in that set. And immediately all of those cards from Kamigawa go from... Being it's worth not like ten cents. Yeah, it's like ten dollars. You know, they're, they're like they're like creature types, like Soraka or yeah. Sarakars from Zendikar that like will never be a yeah, that you right, can play. Right, right. So I think that's to to me my least favorite and my favorite part about it. Um, my favorite part about it has to probably be some of the some of the little things we're talking about. So um, I love so I love ninjas. I thought ninjas were really cool. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we'll see a lot of ninjas. So, but we could. We could see ninjas somewhere ninjas else. Ninjas have to come back. Like, yeah, they're very popular. People like, love them. And samurai. Both of them. Like, I, it, yeah. The things that people like from Kamigawa Block is like the Japanese-themed stuff. And yeah. ninjas and samurai are like the base level of what people would be excited about. I, I would be very surprised if we never get either of those again. Um, I love the Shoals. I, I think they're I think they're really well-designed cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talk about them a lot because I love free. I love playing free spells. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to design. It's really difficult to design a free spell that's balanced. Um, that's something we've, we've learned over the years. The entire... The entire run of them in the old like masks nemesis prophecy block like there's like two of them that are playable or three of them that are playable all the rest are too underpowered um and then obviously you have overpowered ones like force of will and and mental misstep um but these these shoals are on the whole really really solid um the black one or the red one is banned in modern because you could go all in on an effect creature but like but like disrupting shoal is a great card disrupting shoal is a really solid Really right. well designed, really balanced free counterspell. It's, it's perhaps the most balanced free counterspell ever printed. It's like yep. exactly where it needs to be. Um, I would say my answer is Theros. Though if I had to pick specifically Born of the Gods, but Theros block kind of is condemic of this whole problem. Um, and the thing I would say I have the biggest issue with is. I really didn't like the heroic mechanic and battle, like the 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 battle magic of just like trying to go really big on things. So removal is really bad. It's like monstrous, and that together kind of made that happen. When going to enchantment set, I wanted stuff more like constellation or yeah. and, and 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 that kind of stuff. The thing I really liked actually, I really loved bestow and the enchantment creatures, and I really loved cool. the gods and devotion. I think those two together, like if you took those two and you added. All of the stuff that's in that set to Journey into Nyx, the the constellation effect, and you replaced heroic with constellation, I would have been like much, much, much happier with the block. But just the the enchantment matter stuff was really exciting. The Greek god stuff was really exciting. Aura's matter and heroic and monstrous were kind of the unexciting half. Monstrous is a fine mechanic. Like I don't dislike it. It's like totally fine. Um, and that could probably sit, survive, but both of those together made it feel like just like very much, oh, this guy gets everything onto a dude and I lose. And if I don't have like the one removal spell in the entire set, I can't beat it. I really liked Bestow. I agree with you. Um, I was a big fan of Bestow. I thought that was a really well-designed mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there, was a great, there was a great sense of not getting two for one uh, and, mm-hmm. and the value you would get out of paying this larger amount of mana which was okay because like you'd get there and you knew you were getting at least something out of your investment so it was always worth it right um and i believe there's only one more question left before we're done today uh you have the ability to change any one thing about magic what do you change and why no that's the hardest question probably yeah um you know 
it's a really hard question to answer because I think if, if I was going to say what is the, the most difficult part of magic and the thing that's the most frustrating, that's what you'd want to change. Yeah. And that's got to be the way that the lands work. It's got to be it's got to be something to do with getting mana screwed. Mana screwed, mana flooded. Um, other games have done it differently. You know, other games have the thing cl- a lot closer to energy in Hearthstone where you're getting effectively getting to play uh, a face down card to basically be your energy for the turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't exactly know how you would change that because I actually think that the resource management is one of the things. It's one of the customizable parts of Magic that I like the most is that whole idea of being able to play less land or more land and your deck functioning differently because of it. Um, like land destruction being a part of the game. Mm-hmm. There's, I think, a lot of those aspects that I really enjoy, but I don't know that... I think I enjoy them because I'm at like the expert level of this where I've played for so long. I think to a new player, to even like a medium player, I think that the idea of, of just hitting your land drops and playing your cards is much more important than that customizability feature that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's probably something to do with the lands. Okay. Um, I think my like fun answer is... I wouldn't have used so many iconic sounding names on bad cards in the yeah. early days of <laughs> yeah, Magic. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like the fact that Teleria is like a weird anti-banding card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want Teleria to be way sicker than yeah, that. Yeah, so it's like getting rid of banding. <laughs> uh, but I, I think one other thing is just have if I could change something that's happening right now, because that's something that's unchangeable. And like if I could make a decision for Wizards to change moving forward, it would be... Lowering the amount of master sets, I think right now we're like in a situation where there's too many of them. Yeah. And like doing one every year instead of two. I think two is too many and it's like becoming so I like don't want to play them anymore. Um, other things, the because the, there's a few like there's it's a bunch of small stuff. Like it, I think that I would have kept um, not treasures. Uh, oh, uh, expedition expeditions was one of the, what's the greater masterpieces. You Masterpie- yeah. I would have kept masterpieces, but I think they did too much at, at, at once. You I would think have I, like I, twelve cards instead of fifty. I would pick five and maybe ten. Yeah, like five old cards, five new cards from the set. That's yeah. it. Every set and just like they would have been way more easily collectible. E- yeah. You would you would easier to collect. They make them a little bit less rare, but that's fine. And maybe up the rarity for them so they show up less. But then it also isn't like, oh, I need to find 30 cards that fit on this set from old sets. It's like, oh, no, I need to find five iconic artifacts right. that fit on this set. Fine. That's easy to do. Finding 30 is difficult. Like, I think I could have found five to ten cards that fit on Ixalan if I only needed to find five or ten. Like pir- And, like, some of them could be silly. Like, one silly one, like Pirate Ship or something. But yeah, then right. there's, like, older cards that, like, are rarer, like Old Man in the Sea would be a cool masterpiece to have. Yeah. And that card's rare and expensive. So, like, you can figure that out a little bit easier than, like, oh, I need 30, 30 cards to come out with. Yeah. And I, I think that would have made it a little bit easier and, 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 and more exciting in the long run, even though in the early set it would have been problematic. Yeah, Old Man of the Sea. I forgot that card even existed. It's a $235 card. Right. Like, that's exciting. Cool. I mean, that might be on the reserve list, so that's a whole different yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. The real answer is get rid of the reserve list, but that's, like... I get it. And it kind of, like, it's it hard. Dead it's horse very to hard to do. Well, I don't think it's possible to get rid of, yeah. but if you could change it, would you? Yes. Eh. If all that happens, if you get rid of the reserve list is it gives you the opportunity to reprint cards that make current cards obsolete. Like the biggest, the cards on the reserve list that you'd be reprinting would either destroy collectability of the classics, which like you don't want to do because sure. it ruins magic's history or it's reprinting, Fetch lands or a uh, 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 dual lands, which is the same thing, except that if you reprint dual lands, you give yourself the ability to put them into co- like current sets somehow. Sure, it just ruins shock lands. Yeah, it just makes them 
infinitely worse. Yeah, and I think shock lands are a better card mechanic. Like that's yeah. why like there's a lot of, and we'll eventually have this conversation because I think greedy mana bases is an interesting entire episode. And uh, you just and you just like get into arguments online about it every single day. No, it's just, I get in arguments <laughs> about one thing and then people use that w- mana bases will become too greedy as we have four color death shadow running rampant and you have five color humans winning SCG events. But all right, so moving on past that. That's it for the episode today. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Good luck to all the people that will succeed at the Great Designer Search. Congratulations in future for winning yep. and looking forward to going through that whole process. It's really fun. Make sure to pay attention to everybody. Um, thanks for everyone listening. Make sure to check us out on Anchor. Yeah, check out 10 Minutes of Modern every single day. Uh, good luck. Is it GP Toronto that's coming up? That's the modern one? No idea. There's a big modern GP coming up. I think it's Toronto. Okay. Uh, good luck there if that's what it is, unless I am saying the wrong place. Uh, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at the MMCast. You're actually at Kess Wiley. We are at the MMCast. I am the MMCast. I am figure skating. <laughs> um, uh, you guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. Do us the Facebook, both the Facebook page and the Facebook group, group. which gets a lot of interaction. It's the best place to talk about modern on the internet. Uh, make sure to follow uh, us everywhere else on Instagram. Yeah. Like pretty much every social media account. If you look up at the MMCast, you'll find us. I guess we don't have a Snapchat. No, Snapchat's not going to. Uh, make sure to buy Super Party Battle. It's at thinkgeek.com. It's awesome. You get to play. As It's just a really fun fun game. You'll have a really good time. Sweet. It's a party game, but you don't have to be partying to play it, but you do party in the game. That's like one of the mechanics. All right. Sweet. Good deal, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.